Welcome to the most overrated, underappreciated, most viewed, underviewed podcast of all time. Welcome to the Prince of Fresh Air. This is your host, the most charismatic man in entertainment. And I'm looking forward to this conversation with this next guest. He is an amazing dude. I love his work. And he's the host of the Beautifully Human podcast. So definitely check him out. He's an amazing guy, musician. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. So please help me welcome my next guest, Mr. Nick Sheesby. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Uh, living American broke dream during this pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that one. I know exactly. that one very well. <laughs> oh man, so you know, like I was saying when I introduced you, you know, I was I was a guest on your podcast, the Beautifully Human podcast. So you know, just to start off, you know, can you just let people know what that podcast is about and how did you come up with that idea? Yeah, of course, man. Um, it was super rad having you on there. I was, I was super stoked to, to get you on there and have an, have an episode and it's out and people are loving it. So go listen to that. It's, it's a really good conversation. Um, but yeah, so it truly came out of me telling my story, which I know we'll get into. So I'll save the, the, the main, the main parts of it for later, but I ended up telling my story, which is a hell of a story. And I figured out how much power that I had in my story. And I got to thinking people probably don't realize how much power they have in their story or how effective they can be on other people. So I started it as a blog, just called it beautifully human. And I, I started sending questions to people and I would ask them to be a part of it and just write out their story. And a lot of people were asking me like, why me? Why, why would you want me to be a part of it? And I was like, because of you, because your story has power, because that self-love, like I wanted to promote that and push that through. And just, and also just because of all the bullshit coming out of the States and all the ignorance and the hatred. Um, I come from a very small town and I saw a lot of it coming out of there on Facebook, especially over these last few years, but a lot over the pandemic as well. And it just got made me really sick of hearing it because I know a lot of people just haven't really experienced talking to people that are outside of their bubble, wherever that bubble may be. I mean, it can be in Los Angeles. It can be in Nashville where I'm at. It can be in small town America. It can be anywhere in the world. So I wanted to have these conversations with people just to let other people hear people's lives of somebody that they don't know of who they've maybe not even known what their life was about. So I wanted to put people in a room with two people having conversations, the good, the bad, the horrible, the failures, the positives, all of that. So it really was just a, a mission to hit a target that is my hometown, which I don't know how much they listen, anybody from there, but it was more just so I could have these conversations to enrich myself, but also to learn myself. And then hopefully everybody that listens to it gets to hear different parts of people's stories from different parts of the world. Oh, that's beautifully said. And I, and I like what you said before, you know, when you first uh, was talking about it, you said you did it to promote self-love and, you know, people yeah. ask why me, and then you also talk about hatred. And that's one of the things I always talk about, especially, you know, on, on my podcast is, the amount of hate that we live in nowadays is ridiculous. Everything is sensitive. Everything, everybody feels uh, victimized. Everybody, there's just so much hate in this world and there's not enough conversations. And when there yeah. are conversations, it's usually negativity. It's not anything towards being positive. Um, so what, 
what was the what made you at a point in your life decide that you want to start having these conversations because we always have that that one moment that that makes us realize you know what i have to do something with my life or i have to do something for the people uh, what was that moment for you i mean it it began when i started traveling a lot um which I've been fortunate to do quite a bit of. I work in the music industry. And so when I started to get to travel and I would see people in different parts of even our country here in the States, it's very diverse. And I use that word as a very open word of like, there's a whole lot of people here with different backgrounds. Um, So I, I, I started to meet all these people. I started to see all these things. And then I was fortunate enough to start traveling overseas and quite a bit. And it was just amazing to see the people and the generosity and just the love and the culture that they they were proud of. And that that really was something that I I fell in love with. I fell in love with people all around the world. And I was like, these people's stories are incredible and so different, but also they can be so common to I spoke with a woman who grew up in on a farm in Africa and I grew up in a farming community in Ohio. And when we see combines, we both have a common connection. She, she thinks back to her childhood. If I see a combine, I think back to mine and I'm like, we couldn't have been farther away from each other geographically country wise. We were so far away from each other yet. We have this similar bond over combines, which is silly, but like, you wouldn't think that unless you had that conversation and got to know that person. But I think the biggest, the biggest moment in my life where I was like, I have to do more and I have to stand up and use my voice and stand up against the hatred and the ignorance. Um, I, I was in the hospital when I was 33 years old, which was coming up on three years ago. And, um, I was at the beginning stages of liver failure. I had drank myself, to that point because i i am a massive alcoholic thankfully i have been sober for the last almost three years but congratulations thank you thank you um i had gotten myself to the point of fully jaundiced and my liver was shutting down and i had gotten to that moment where a doctor literally said we don't know if you'll make it through tonight and when you get some sort of damning news like that, it is incredibly tough not to look at your life and say, what have I done? Where have I been? What has my life been worth, right? I mean, until you have that moment, you don't really know what it looks like. I had no idea what it did. And when it came to me in that moment, I was just sitting there and I was I was thinking, what have I done? What legacy did I leave? I did have a really beautiful moment that night where I, I was really proud of myself because I didn't play it safe. I took chances. I lived a life that I enjoyed. I, I went and saw the world. I, I, I took chances and I, I got into the music industry and it wasn't even necessarily that I was working. It was just that I, I got these experiences and I met all these people. And I obviously thought, well, there's more places that I haven't been that I still want to see, but I, I, if if I'm done right now, which was not a good option, but I was I was actually at a moment where I was like, I lived a hell of a life. I had a lot of fun. I did it my way, and I was really proud of myself. But moving forward, when I when I finally like started putting one step in front of the other to get to my health and started recovery in my sobriety. 
I had to look at life again and say, okay, the last seven years of my life, I have just drank it away and I haven't really stood up for anything. I've just been the drunk person having a great time, but I, I wasn't really using my voice for anything of any kind of purpose. And I just said, well, there's no way in hell I can do that anymore. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to have these conversations because I've been fortunate enough to meet these people and I've seen these things and I just can't sit and watch them anymore. So that was a big, big catalyst to it of being told I might not make it. And as I started back into the world as a person who really truly figured out that I wanted to live because I almost died, it was like, it's time. I'm going to make a difference. And every single day, every single person I can in my part of the world, I will touch them and I will put as much beauty into this place for as long as I have left on this earth as I can. Ooh, come on, man. Come on. You speaking the <laughs> truth over here. You, you, you're taking my job from me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to touch on something, you know, because, uh, you know, one thing when I asked you the question, I said, there's always a point in your life um, where, you know, something changes. And for you, you said uh, being a massive alcoholic was something that was part of your life. And I remember when I was on your podcast, I was talking about my work at the warmer house. And one of the best things besides working with the, you know, the less fortunate was working with people struggling with addiction, uh, people who were still, you know, in, in recovery. And uh, one of the biggest things, and especially for me, when I was working with them, I'm still friends with a lot of them to this day. Um, uh, I went to AA meetings. Uh, you know, I got to understand their life. And one of the hardest things um, that I realized about addiction was getting, was overcoming, overcoming it. And, uh, you know, acknowledging that you do have an addiction and trying to get over it. And a lot of people don't understand that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think I've grown as a person is because I actually learned from my experience. You know, when you look at uh, addiction, you know, whether it's drugs or alcohol, people think it's a choice. Oh, you know, you, you just want to pick up the bottle and have a good time. And a lot of times it's it's not the case, you know. So um, what what was what is one thing, you know, for you? uh that you had to um do to overcome that that big point in your life is there someone or uh some people that helped you or was it just a something you took as a personal battle on to yourself and you was like you know what i have to make a change now um and i have to move forward i mean it was it was a lot of all of that because sobriety is a journey like you said like every every journey looks different every person's road to their recovery their sobriety takes a different liking likeness i mean if you had a story it would be it'd be similar to mine because we were fighting the same fight but it's very different because it's personalized to you so mine was immediate there was no take steps to sobriety it wasn't like hey nick like take a day off a week and then we'll work your like, we'll take you step, step you back from where you're at. I took it to a point where I was again, fully jaundiced and in the hospital. And when the doctors finally left me out of the hospital, they, they told me, we're not letting you out because you're good. It's because we can't do anything for you here. And they said, don't ever drink again. 
start exercising, start eating because I wasn't eating at the point where I like by the end of my drinking career, as I call it, I, I was, I wasn't eating. I was just literally drinking all the time. And that was, that was sustaining me. So they said, start eating and start eating healthy. Your body will tell you. So that, that was like what I got released with. And I still, I, I looked very sick. I don't know if you've seen a fully jaundiced person, but it's, it's not, it's not easy to see. And it's very easily, it's very easy to tell that they're not doing well. So inwardly, I had no idea how to be a sober person for seven years. Cause I, that, that was a crazy part about it too. For 26 years of my life, I didn't drink. And then when I was 26, I started drinking. And by 33, I was at that wall of don't ever drink again because oh. you're almost dead. So it was seven years. So that, that tells you how much I was consuming throughout that period. So for those seven years, I, I didn't really take a day off. I was pretty well drunk the whole time. So after you have that in, in your head, you've just been like every part of me was drunk all the time. Like I'd wake up and roll over at night and most people reach for a glass of water. I would grab whatever bottle I had beside me and I'd take a swig. Even when I was sleeping, I'd wake up and I'd pour juice into a Nalgene and then I would pour my rum in there and I'd get going. And like that, it just sustained me. I literally didn't have a point when I wasn't drinking. So I was looking into this as like, okay, I don't have a choice. I have to stop immediately or I'm going to die, which I guess to some people, if you just don't care, it could be a really easy decision. But I, I came to that point where I was like, I really do want to make it through this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I was scared to death. And so inside my head, I'm like, I just don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I had a friend in, in Ohio who I had known her when, when I was, when I was younger, we'd got grown apart as we'd gotten older. She has never drank still to this day, but she is one of the key parts of my story was she, she worked at the YMCA and she just came to me and she said, Nick, I, I know you need to get yourself healthy. I don't know how to help you with the drinking aspect because I've, I I don't I don't have that. I never drank, but I do know you need to get healthy. So come to the YMCA. Here's a free membership. Come down. You can come as much as you want. And I have a spin class that I that I instruct on Fridays. So I started going to the Y and I started swimming and I started trying to get myself healthy that way. And it was just amazing because she was the first person I feel like that just saw me and didn't see me as like, oh, Nick fucked up his life. It's over. It was like, Nick is a person and he needs help. I don't know how to help him with his drinking, but I know he needs to get healthy. So here's the one avenue I have in, in my life that I can empower Nick with. So Tiffany was this massive help. I, I It gets me teary-eyed thinking about that moment when, when she just saw me and was like, come down. And then... You know, a lot of people do AA, a lot of people do all do do meetings and stuff. And I just didn't know anything about it. I'd never really looked into it because I'd never been at that point in my life. And so I didn't really even know what that looked like. But I, the first place I walked into was just an alcohol counseling center for drugs and alcohol and other other kinds of stuff too, like abuse and all, uh, a bunch of other stuff. And um, I met this woman named MJ who... In my small hometown, 
I was definitely a black sheep there. And she was this old, older hippie woman with like purple hair one day, green hair the next day. And just, it was perfect because I would ask her, I'd be like, why are you still in this town? Like, I know people look at you and judge you because of your purple hair and it's just the way it is. And she's like, because there's kids like you here, there's people like you here that are feeling that way and I can be the outsider with them. And I was like, that's amazing. So we we just had an awesome relationship. I would go there once a week. And so that was that was my avenue to just have a way to talk about it with somebody that was a professional in it and just had my best interest in mind. And she had been 30 some years sober, almost as long as I'd been alive, she'd been sober. So um, it was, that was really powerful. It was, it was a really beautiful step, just having her to talk about the hard stuff for like 40 minutes. Then she would tell me about all the music she used to see back in the day, like in the seventies. And it was so rad just like talking to her. I still chat with her pretty frequently to this day. Um, and then the craziest part, which if you've picked up anything about my life, I, I take life to extremes typically like with my drinking i took it to an extreme i I just kind of dive into things um when i was thinking about going back to touring because i'd never done anything else in my adult life really and i i thought i could still be in the music industry i was like i just have to do this and everybody except for tiffany and mj and another buddy christian were telling me dude you can't go out on this tour like you're not ready all these other things. So many people were telling me that I should just settle. And I was just sitting there going, dude, I just went through this life or death experience. And your best advice to me is like, go on the road to get a job here and just settle. I was like, I didn't go through all that. I didn't live the life I lived until I was 33 to just settle now. Right. Not what I'm, not what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm <laughs> I didn't do it ever <laughs> then. I'm not about to do it now. So this this first tour I went out on, I was three months sober, and it was with this massively partying metal band. Like, their reputation far exceeds them. Everybody knows about it. And it was really powerful for me to see. And again, I wasn't judging people because I was three months sober. I still looked very sick. Um, but I was watching these dudes just, like, party their asses off. And I finally saw it from a from a sober person's perspective. And I was just like... I don't want to do that anymore. Like I was just watching them wake up sore and just tired and just hung over. And I was just like, I just don't want to do it. I was also able to give my karmic duty back because so many people had carried me home around the world that I got to go to bars with them and carry them home. And that was the first time I'd been back into bars since I'd been sober. And the first night we went into a bar in Chicago and I met this dude, Alex, who's still a good friend of mine too. Um, he asked me, he comes up and he's, uh, we just met and he's like, what are you drinking, dude? And I said, I just soda water. And he goes, oh, you don't drink. And I said, I drink massively, but I cannot ever drink again. There's a difference. I, I do drink. I can't ever say I don't because I got myself to a really bad situation because I drink, but I drink massively. So I cannot drink. And he was the first person just to say, oh, dude, that's cool. And just to hear that as a person who'd been drunk for seven years and thought the only way I could exist in a bar, the only way I could be myself was to be drunk and come out of my shell to hear that it was cool to be sober in a bar. That was the first time I'd heard that. And I was like, Oh damn, that's really powerful. 
And he also just said, dude, if, if, if you're feeling overwhelmed and you just can't be in here, let's get out of here. Like, we'll go, we'll go walk around the city. We'll do whatever. Like we can leave. I'll, I'll, I'll come hang with you. Just let me know. So that, that experience going back three months sober into a amazing atmosphere had I been drinking still it would have been the perfect tour for me to be on I would have had a blast <laughs> but to get into that it at the time I was still just actively trying not to die I was just trying to get healthy and stay active and live um it was really powerful for me to see to see what it looked like again of of what I was doing and probably worse than them I was I was even worse than them and it was it was that moment where I was like, okay, I, I think I got this. I, there was a big switch in my brain where I heard it was cool for the first time from a peer, from a dude that I thought was a cool dude. And then to see it from a sober side and be like, I think I got this. I think I'm good to not do this. And I was in bars every night. I, I went to the bars with everybody and I was totally good. And one other story that came out of it kind of goes full circle to where you started this with and it's it's why I started the beautifully human there was this other dude who he was working for one of the other bands his name's Sean again super good friend of mine still to this day but he and I were on a couple tours before years before and we were just like bad for each other we were just su super good friends and we just partied our asses off together and he was he was on the tour with another band so i didn't see him a ton but the couple times i did i told him what had been going on it was very visible that i was not doing so well and so he was just checking in on me and i told him a little bit about my story but i wasn't really telling my story at that point i was trying not to spread it around i didn't want anyone to be like "Ooh, is this guy gonna die on our tour it's not a good look you know so um anyway the tour ends it took me quite a while to write up my story and actually put it out because I didn't want the little like golf claps from social media, which you should applaud your friends if they're getting sober, even if it's a day, if it's two days, if it's 10 years, you should applaud them every single day that they stay away from it. It's a really beautiful thing, but I was just like working through it in my head of like, how do I put it out? Where do I put it out? When do I do it? So I finally did it. I write up this big write up just kind of a story of my life or I, I think I called it hell of a year which I thought was a, a pretty uh, appropriate title so I put it out and, and maybe 15 minutes after I put it out I get an email and it's Sean and he was like hey man I just have to tell you something um, I, re I read what you wrote and I, I, I couldn't read it and not tell you what's going on? And I said, or I didn't say anything. I was reading this, but in my mind I was having this inner dialogue and, um, he, f he continued and said, because I saw you on that tour sober, I had been, I'd been wanting to get sober for a very long time. I just didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know how to do it, but then I saw you doing it. And I thought, fuck, if Nick can get sober, I can do it. And I was like, dude, I'm okay with being that bar, that super high bar of like, dude, if Nick Sheesby can get sober, I got this. Like, I am fully okay with that. But it was amazing because as he was writing it, he goes, and I have to tell you right now, I just passed my one year sober. Because the next tour that he took after he saw me being sober on that tour, he went out and started into his sobriety because he saw me do it. And so I was like, 
I had no idea because I was actively trying not to die. I was just trying to be active and stay positive and do my work. And I had no idea that I was propelling a friend of mine into his sobriety and giving him the strength to do that for the first time. And so that's where I got that like, holy shit, I had no idea that I had that impact on somebody. And I wasn't even doing what I'm doing now talking about it. I was just kind of saying like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I had a bad spell. I'm hoping I'm okay. That was where I was at. I was very humble about it because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I was going to be okay. And so when I heard that, I was just like, okay, that's what really propelled me into like, I got this. I can be a beacon of light. Again, I can be that bar of like, dude, I remember that kid. And if he can get sober, I got this. So all of that just built this like big empowerment in me and this big self-love and this love of life again. And I just truly fell in love with like seeing the world and seeing it for every little beautiful part of it. So when I got to travel before, it was like finding the bar, the closest bar, the liquor store, knowing the liquor laws. So I wouldn't run out of booze on a Sunday if they weren't selling liquor. Like I had these crazy, like it was controlling every part of my life. And then once I started moving forward, it was just this really beautiful wave of self-love and self-empowerment. And when I started to feel power, I was like, people need to feel that for themselves and also feel the love from other people too. So Oof. that that was what propelled me to where I am to this day. Can I get an amen? Oh man. <laughs> oh man, that was that was beautiful, man. You know, this is the stuff that I like to talk about. This is the the things people want to hear because like you said, you never know how your journey can impact others because you know, a lot of people they actively try to pursue that, you know, I'm I'm the beacon of hope and I want people to follow this. And a lot of people go throughout life, you know, especially it's especially for someone like you going through such trials and tribulations and ups and downs in life, not thinking about, Oh, I'm going to impact somebody and secretly somebody's admiring you for it. And, you know, one of the biggest things about your story um, is the fact that you basically are one of the lucky ones. A lot of people don't have a support system. Um, you know, people know that they're struggling and, you know, Oh, come on, dude. Just what is one more drink? Oh, come on, dude. Don't let your life go to waste. And uh, yeah, it's fun for them and it's fun for the moment. But what about your life? What about, you know, what's going to happen to you? You know, yeah. if you take that one drink, because all it takes is one drink and, mm -hmm. you know, your life could be over, you know. And I think that that's very important that you said that, you know, you have people in your corner and you have people supporting you because a lot of people don't get that support. And if they do give the support, it's not to get sober, it's to continue right. the party right. life, it's to continue on that journey. And, uh, you know, what I wanted to ask you um, was because, you know, a lot of people, especially, you know, my time going to AA meetings and, and talking to people struggling with addiction, one of the hardest things as well is the, the, the sober life, you know, because you get after you complete your programs, you go to AA meetings and you're going about your everyday life, you know, a lot of people fall back into the trap because, again, you know, they have people around them that instead of trying to empower them, they're trying to bring them back to the party life. You're like, come on, you know, this party's happening. You know, why, why are you getting off the bus now? And uh, I, I wanted to ask you, what, what really helps you stay committed to that? I, I think you say you do still, you know, maybe have a drink once in a while. Um, oh, oh, you don't? No, I'm 
full clean, uh, clean of everything. Uh oh, that's even that's even better. Um, not to say if you yeah. had a couple drinks, you know, but uh, <laughs> so you know what? How has the journey been for you being sober, and what keeps you going? You know, because a lot of people don't have you know uh, something that keeps them holding on. So you know, if there's something you wanted someone who's listening, who's struggling themselves, or know somebody who's going through this. What is one thing that you you feel like helped you continue your sobriety? That's a fantastic questions, man. Um, and exactly what you said. I mean, I know we talked about this on on your podcast, and I'll, I'll get around to all of it. I'm I'm just followed my train of thought with it, but um, we were talking about your work with uh, with the homeless shelter as well when you're when you're back on the East Coast and. I, th- I think it's really important for people to realize like we're all not that far from from that because the way I was drinking, I, I was spending 90% of my money drinking. Even when you, like you said too, when you moved out to LA, you, you encouraged people to have f- four months, uh, you have, have a lot of money to get out there. It's not inconceivable to think of if you don't get that gig, if you don't get that gig and your job just doesn't pay you well enough because we live here and it's so expensive most places, like it can happen really easily where you can slip to a really bad spot. Same with drinking, same with drinking. Like I was in a really bad place, dude. I've, I remember waking up on the streets places cause I just followed over into bushes when I was walking home and I don't know how long I slept there. I didn't know where I was. I mean, it can happen very easily to everybody. So I, I think people need to need to keep that in their mind of like, just be appreciative of where you're at, but also pay attention to where you're at. Because like you said, I was very incredibly lucky to have a support system. And I, I found that support system. I was lucky to find it. I could have gotten out there into that, that big drinking, heavy partying tour. And I will say the lead singer of the band and two of the other guys did say one night, I wish I wish we would have known you when you were drinking because I probably would have been more fun is what they were thinking. And I say that just because like there are oppositions to it, but like in the music industry, I think also people see it as this sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like it's just fucking wild all the time. And it's it's more of a place where people don't tell you no. They expect you to be an adult. If you have a habit, do it and do your job and don't talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you no. They're not going to say, hey, don't drink that if you're drinking that. They're going to be concerned about you, but they're also just going to do as much as they can and keep going about their business. But also, I found such a support system, like I said. I mean, the tour that I got on when I was coming into my um, one-year sobriety, I mean, I had five or six friends that I met on that tour and it was just like, they jumped like on my one year sobriety, they jumped off their forklifts and they were just like, come give me massive hugs and like this massive support that I did find. So I think it is very important the way that you said that, that so many people get into these situations. And I, like I said, it's very simple, especially with drinking. Like I've been thinking about it a lot, especially with the pandemic, dude, I wouldn't have made it through the pandemic. Like, I would have been in a in a place by myself and I would have just bought I would have spent all my money on booze and I would have never stopped drinking. I I I say that 
out of just pure truth, not of any other way. Like there's just no way I would have survived a year and a half of lockdown. Right. I couldn't have. And also think about practical ways. Like if you're listening and you have a friend or yourself and, and you just, I fully understand it too. When you aren't listening, I didn't listen to people. I did have friends when I was in my worst of times tell me that I needed to slow down, that what happened to me was going to happen, that I was headed for that. I did. I had friends that were like, yo, this is going to happen if you don't slow down. But I wasn't paying attention. Think about even happy hour, right? Happy hour. It's a fun, it's a fun pie in the sky dream of like, oh, I get through my work day and I go get a drink for happy hour. Happy hour is even a way for you to forget about your work day. So that's a really bad way to start into a drinking habit is like, oh, I have to drink to forget about the day. That's how alcoholism starts. Oof. And that's a fun way that it's billed to every single person if you go to happy hour. And I'm not saying it's bad, just have control, but just know that those are out there subliminally that you're going to see and it, it happens even as simply as happy hour to go when you're done with work, go to a bar, the drinks are cheaper, so you drink more to forget about your day. So it's like, it's very simple to find yourself going down these avenues. And one thought, I, I love how you brought this up and it's it's kind of the way I put it in my head for myself because I had to go to such extremes because I had gone from seven years drunk to now I have to be stone sober. And I didn't know if it was true or not at that point. It was probably very true when I was in that moment, but I put it in my head that if I took one more sip of alcohol ever in my life, that I would physically fall over and die, that I would take a shot and I would just like instantly fall with it. Like I'd slam it back on the table and I'd be done. So that's where I took it to in my mind. That's how I had to have strength in my head because I couldn't give myself wiggle room. I couldn't be like, ah, like a drink or two here or there, I'd be fine. Cause I just don't have that switch either. I'm, I'm a, zero to 5,000 drinks. I don't, I don't stop at five. I'm, I don't have that control. I am zero to pass out. And that takes a very long time too. Um, so I think if you're listening or if you have a friend that is struggling, I think it's really important to give yourself challenges just in life in general, a, a blanket statement in it, but I'm going to talk straight to alcohol with it because that's what I struggle with. And I couldn't have these kind of steps because I literally had to just go dead cold or I was <laughs> going to go dead cold. Um, say you drink seven days a week. I sure as shit did. Maybe take a day off. Give yourself six give yourself six days to drink and then give yourself one day of just recovery if that's a step you can make. And then if you get that day, really be proud of yourself for giving yourself that day. Say, especially in the pandemic, if it, if you're still locked down, say you started a habit of drinking at noon because what else do you do when you're locked down? I get it. Maybe stop drinking at noon and start drinking at five. Give yourself a couple hours till it's like a normal happy hour time, right? And then be proud of yourself when you make that step, when you stop drinking at noon and you start at five. And if you want to do that, then like say you drink five drinks an hour. Maybe go down to three, give yourself two hours in between that fourth drink. Like give yourself really reasonable steps for yourself 
that you can also be proud of as you take those steps, right? Because like, I fully understand that if someone comes to you and you're having, you drink a shit ton, it's pretty impossible just to look at somebody and say, stop drinking right now. It's not realistic. Because I mean, we all have our thoughts of invincibility that we're going to be fine, that nothing bad will ever happen. I know I had that, those thoughts, but what I, what I say is just give yourself these very practical steps, challenges, put it in your life to show yourself that you have control over it. Take control back over it. Cause when you lose control, it's very scary and it goes really fast and you just don't stop. So give yourself the power to know that like, cool, I can have three drinks in an hour instead of five just give yourself those practical steps of 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 empowerment because that that will make you proud of yourself and if not at first then keep doing them to where it becomes habit and then you've stepped back a little bit and you scale it back and then yeah like if it's noon go to five if it's three drinks an hour whatever then take sunday off or monday off whatever your day like give yourself these practical ways to take control over yourself honesty yeah and be honest with yourself too i mean the way you say that like again i fully do understand like it's it's really hard to say that i am a massive fucking alcoholic it's hard to say that especially when you're in the middle of it because a lot of people again you get caught up in the happy hour hour culture you get caught up in a social drinking atmosphere I, i fully get it but like when you see yourself and you know yourself if you see yourself going farther and farther or you're drinking by yourself more, any of these, any of these things, like it, it can ha- like it snowballs really quick. Cause one thing you can't beat is alcohol. It, it will stomp you out. So yeah, give yourself, give yourself practical ways where you get to take it back and, you know, say fuck you to it quickly. Oh. Man, I, I got to say, man, I, I like your honesty. You know, it's one of those things you, you don't meet a lot of people who's honest and open about something so, you know, big and, you know, personal in their lives. And I think, you know, this is the conversation that we have to have. And I didn't even know we was going to, you know, end up talking about stuff like this. Right. But yeah. I think this is the things that really put a a stamp on things because your openness, your willingness to talk about this journey and, and, you know, hearing you talk about it and give advice. I think it's, it's very important that at some point you have to be honest with yourself. And a lot of people are just live in denial. And I remember, you know, especially cause I just turned 26 and um, I graduated college three years ago. And I remember, you know, there was a lot of people I used to look at. And I'm like, Mm-mm-mm. his life's going to be brutal. I mean, drinking Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, you know, and I'm not talking about one, two, three beers. I'm talking about that whoo, rock star jumping off roof drinking. And mm-hmm. and I'm just and, and I look at that. Yeah, it was cool at the moment. But, you know, even now, you know, when you see people like that and they still drink the same way, it's like, oh, you, you, you definitely got a problem. And yeah. I think a lot of people, especially and this is why I was saying you're one of the lucky ones, because a lot of people around them see this but then denial too no yeah. he's just having a good time he's partying he's young dude and i understand that i'm a young guy but at some point when something starts dictating your life to the point where you're making uh bad judgment calls and it's just overruling your life you have to have that you have to have someone if you if you can't find it within yourself which sometimes is hard yeah. um to admit to yourself something is wrong 
but it's always good to have people who see that and, and try to correct it. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people don't have that. You know, yeah. they have those people that, that see it, don't do nothing about it, or they see it and encourage it because, you know, you're the life of the party. You know, every time I know Friday, Saturday, Sunday coming around, we having a good time. I don't yeah. want to stop that, you know? And, um, and, and you talked about the music industry too. And that's one of the things I always notice, you know, because I'm in the more acting side. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have our, our share of, you know, uh, al- alcoholics and drug addicts, but I see it a lot in the music industry. And uh, it's a fortune, you know, from Mac Miller to Whitney Houston yeah. to a lot of them, especially in the rock bands, you see it all the time. And you said something important. You said it was the culture of not saying no. You know, you have to do your job. And a lot of people, you know, are now speaking out against, you know, they're, they're battling uh, with drinking and drinking lean and, and doing all types of drugs. And I think these are the things that we need. And instead of, you know, shaming people, which we often do when people talk about their addiction, especially celebrities. Oh, yeah. oh you just alcoholic. Oh, you you just making excuses. I think that's the time to support people because yes. once that support, I noticed this a lot where, you know, a lot of celebrities will come on and talk about, you know, battling addiction and people like, come on, man, you, you're a rock star. You make so much money. You, what are you complaining about? You, you live an American dream, right? And they're being honest. I have a yeah. problem. You know, I can't yeah. function out of bed without a bottle or popping pills. And, yeah. you know, we make jokes and, you know, we forget about it. And then ultimately, and usually we usually wait until the worst of the worst happens. They're right. they're on life support, you know, they pass away or something just horribly goes wrong. And you know, it hits home too because you know it, it's not so much alcoholics, but uh DMX, I'm sure you you've heard of him. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a prime example of someone yeah, everybody knew struggled with drugs and you know him telling his story about being i think i believe he was 13 or 14 doing cocaine for the first time and not knowing what it was and how it changed his his body and it changed the way how he functioned he was open and honest about that and a lot of people did understand it but a lot of people always oh you're dmx you 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 the rap legend in new york city and unfortunately like he went most of his life doing it and yeah. a lot of people didn't help him. A lot of yeah. people encouraged him because he was DMX. You know, right. uh, you, you got to do it. You know, this is you. And and it's, it's sad to see people have to, as people, we have to wait until the last moment to actually help somebody. So I, I commend you and I commend your friends, especially for standing with you yeah. and motivating you to continue your sobriety because like i said some people don't care until you know the worst of the worst happens so yeah yeah and i mean like you said i am a very lucky one i i have i have a friend who actually today is the eight month i don't want to say anniversary but it's eight months ago she passed away and it was a friend of my partner's and her and i became super close because she was a she was an alcoholic and she had the same liver failure start as I did. And she was 29 when she passed and she didn't make it through. So it's, it's, it's a really, really terrible way when you get to that point where finally people started to 
take notice of, of her habits and then be like, you need to quit. And then sadly it was too late and the support came too late. And I mean, you talked about celebrity and I, I mean, the biggest one, my, the biggest example to me with addiction, mental health, all of it, it's all surrounded and celebrities are put on a pedestal. Like you're talking DMX. Of course I I'm 10 years older than you. So like the DMX was my generation of like in high school, I was listening to that all the time, but like people, these celebrities get put up there and they're like, Oh, you're a celebrity. You're fine. Like Anthony Bourdain is the biggest example of that to me. He, I mean, for someone who loves to travel and aspires to have his own travel show or any kind of life that he had, I mean, he had it all. He was in beautiful places all around the world. He was meeting people and his show was really brilliant because he was getting into the culture. He was having the food. He was having these experiences that people weren't getting to have. And then he committed suicide and it was because of his addictions and his mental health. And it was like, if you look at a life, that was the life he traveled everywhere. He went all over the world and he met these beautiful people and it wasn't enough. The money that he made, it wasn't enough. He still lost his battle to it. So start talking about it now. Like, Yes, it's really hard to say you have a problem, but it's it's a lot easier to say you have a problem than get to where I got to and then have to fight for your life to even be able to tell my story on your podcast today. I mean, it, it's it's yeah, there's some some people that are going to make fun of you and say you're giving up or whatever would be said, but like life is much better to live and not be the life of the party necessarily or shift gears as a different kind of life of the party like truly keeping life going at the party of of being the karma person to be there and helping people like there are really tangible and beautiful ways to just be yourself and even just slow yourself down because like i said man it is it's it's far easier to talk to someone even if it's someone like i found an mj I know the groups, I, I didn't go to a group, but I, I know it has to be really difficult because none of us want to admit that we have problems. I fully understand that. I've, I've been through that, especially men as well. We have this whole macho ego shit that we don't have any problem. We can solve anything because we're a man. And it's like, no, nah, dude, you're a human versus an addiction versus a habit versus mental health then we'll lose those battles every time. So if you can get to a place where you just don't care what people think, just be, be good to yourself, man. Like if you're feeling yourself go down these horrible avenues, like go talk to somebody, even if it's in private, just to get yourself to a better place. Like you don't have to come out and advocate for it yet. I mean, you might work yourself to that, but like, again, give yourself some grace in this, give yourself some power in it, over it. And and it takes telling yourself that you do have a problem. And I didn't do it. I, I, I'm an example of what it looks like to not ever tell yourself that you have a problem until the problem smashes you through a brick wall. And then you have to admit, yes, I'm an alcoholic. I might be dying. And it's not fun to reel back from that. I have a really powerful story, but it's not one that I want anybody else to tell. I want people to hear it and get themselves some help or put some power into themselves over what they're doing so that they don't have to 
feel the way I felt and go on these tours and hope that you don't die. And then you become the story of some kid who died in a tour bus. Like that's, that's not what you want to have in your mind. It's not fun to get to where I got to. So who cares what people think, man? Like peer pressure is lame. It's, it's been lame since it began. So if your friends are giving you shit, who cares? Like tell, <laughs> tell them you, you, you don't want to harm yourself anymore. And, and if they're true friends, they'll fully understand that. And they'll want to help you and they'll be proud of you for, for taking that step. And even if you find just one friend or if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I really resonate with Nick. I feel like he could hear my story. Like that is a hundred percent true. Fully like reach out. Like I, I'm sure my contact will be in this podcast and the show notes and everything. But like, if you're having trouble and you just need someone to listen to you that fully gets that kind of shit like i would love to be that person just to listen if you've never had that in your life it's insanely powerful when somebody sees you and doesn't give you shit about wanting to better yourself oh that's that's beautifully said I, and i love that and you know you know i'm gonna just make this quick story because it kind of ties this in and i remember when i was in college when i was working at the the warmer house there was a, a guy i'm still I'm still good friends with him um he was an older guy he was in his late 20s so uh he was significantly a little older than me at the time and i remember hearing his story um for the first time i went to aa for a class and um and we talked the next day when he came to volunteer at the soup kitchen and he was saying how you know since he was like 15 you know doing a lot of alcohol doing drugs you know just he he wanted to be the life of the party he wanted to be that guy everybody knew was when there was a good time, he was going to be there. And he made a point in his life when he had kids. Um, he in and out of uh, rehab and uh, halfway houses. And he was like, you know, one day I committed myself and I went there and, you know, I successfully completed it. I just moved out the halfway house. I was a year sober. Um, and then got with a girl who he loved so much. And one mistake cost him his sobriety and all it took was him just just being around the house and he knew that any temptation he would break it and he didn't want to do it but she was like hey go get a, four, a, a 12 pack a beer Nah, i don't want to go please and then offer him 20 dollars and that one mistake you know just trying to help out he ended up down in half of the pack himself and and that was another spiral. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just goes to show you that one moment, you know, if you have that one friend or, you know, that one decision that you make can impact your life, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, that one, it only takes one time to change the way how you, you live your life. And, you know, to this day, I still speak to him. He's uh, four years sober. But awesome. it's stuff like that, you know, it, it, I mean, it's stuff like that where you, you hear stories and a lot of people don't get to hear these stories, right. you know, addiction and uh, alcoholism and stuff like that. People don't really talk about it. It's usually behind closed doors yeah. and, you know, it's a secret. And I, I'm really glad that you came on and talked about it because I think it's very important, especially during a pandemic, how many yes. people probably struggling with addiction now, or if yeah. they weren't before, I'm sure a lot of people are now. And yeah. 
I think these are the stories that people need to hear the the totally. words that people need to hear, because like you said, you never know who's, who's going to, who's how your story is going to impact somebody's life. And I'm pretty sure you might've impacted quite a few lives, you know, with your story. And you kind of impacted me too, because, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, having my little, uh, my little vape, <laughs> you know, enjoying life. And I, now I'm like, Ooh, am I, am I overthinking this a little bit? Um, but I, I mean, what you said is very important. I think it's a very important to have at least one person or, yeah. uh, that will be in your corner through the thickest of things and the hardest of, the, uh, of times that will correct you and stand with yeah. you and yeah. motivate you. And I, I, that's one of the things I want people to take away from this is always have someone who's there for your best interest and not just for theirs. Yeah. And, you know, I think that is very important. I commend you for saying that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Have that friend who's brutally honest, like get, get that person who will make you feel, feel when, when you ask them, Hey, Hey, will you be there for me? Get a person that's going to get up in your business and, and come at you and tell you when you're fucking up. And it's not going to be fun because we don't like that as humans. I, I get it. None of us enjoy that. None of us want to hear it, but get that person who is doing it because they love you so much and they want to see you do better. And that's the type of person. And if that's not a friend of yours, there are counselors out there. There are people out there that you can find and even finding it in a stranger is really beautiful too, because they don't know you if, if you just need somebody, but yeah, find that strength. It's, 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 a, it's, I mean, I, I've been thinking, I think about it a lot, you know, and, like I said, even with happy hour, like all of these hours and these things, they're all billed to us to forget. And like, oh, you didn't get a vacation this year. So come to blah, blah, blah. And you get a vacation and it's because you get to drink for four days or whatever it is. It's like all these things are billed and they're putting it in your head of like, forget about things, forget about th these things. And it, that, it just builds in your mind of when you have a habit that, that makes you forget about stuff that that goes in your head even if you're not thinking about it it's in there so yeah think about it like they're uncomfortable conversations they're uncomfortable thoughts to have but follow them like and build them up in your head and, and don't take them lightly oh yeah most definitely i mean now that we're talking like it's one of those things like you know for me i i used to vape I wasn't a huge vapor in, in college and post-college. It's probably one of the things that did maybe once every couple weeks. And, uh, you know, now that we, we're talking, one of the things I'm realizing is when the pandemic first started, I was vaping, you know, a couple times a week, nothing too crazy, couple couple hits. And then I started vaping all the time. Like, even now, I spend like 300 bucks on, you know, I can afford it a little bit, but... I realized too, like maybe my reasons of doing it is not the same that it was when I first started. Maybe yeah. when I first started, it was just to have fun and, you know, to look cool. And now it's like, can I actually go a day without doing it? Yeah. Is that going to be an issue, you know, two, three years down the line? Cause you know, I tell myself, Oh, you know, when, when the pandemic's over, I'm, I'm back to, to work and life is moving. Can I actually put this down? And right. it's one of those things, like you said, it's hard to admit that. And, you know, very few people are honest like that. Right. I'm, I'm honest like that. That's why I said it. But yeah, no, it's important. It's very important. And I think, you know, it's one of those things as people at some point in our lives, you know, uh, like 
Steve Wilkos always say, there becomes a fork in the road and you have to choose which one you're going down. And if anybody takes anything from this podcast is remember, you always have to make, um, you know, those tough decisions and you're always going to come to a tough road yeah. and you're going to have to admit it to yourself and you're going to have to either admit it and move forward or deny it and move backwards. And, uh, you know, this conversation has been tremendous because like I said, I didn't realize we was going to even go down this path. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, going down this path, Oh man, I, I, I feel enlightened a little bit. So, you know, yeah, I commend man. you for being honest and, and, you know, just, you know, letting people know your story, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all I can do at this point. Cause I, I like how you were talking about the crossroads and like being honest and admitting it and moving forward or not admitting it and moving backwards. Cause one way or the other, it's coming at you, whether you admit it or it's going to bring life's going to bring it to you. I didn't admit it. Life brought it real fucking hard to me. So it's going to come to you at one point and you're going to have to admit it. So it's better to admit it to yourself first rather than life bringing it at you hard and heavy because it does it's not fun when it gets to that point so have the strength admit it to yourself start thinking about it just give yourselves those challenges it's it's i'm not fully advocating like stop it right now that's impossible for most people and if you can't do that wow <laughs> kudos to you because that's more than most people can say do it go live your life fully enjoy yourself you can always come back to something that you're doing now that's safe and comfortable. So go do what you want. Follow your dreams, follow new dreams, make new dreams, go see a place you've wanted to go see, switch it up, go to a different culture and meet people and open your mind and give yourself a life that's worth living. Don't wait till you're 65 and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm retired and I can go see the world. Go see it now. We live in a greedy society and always make money back. That's one beautiful thing about greed is even the pandemic has shown that people have wanted to open up. We got to get our economy back. You will always be able to make money no matter what you're doing. So go challenge yourself in life. Give yourself really easy challenges with your drinking, with your smoking habits, whatever your habits are. Give yourself easy challenges to make yourself proud, but then also give yourself big challenges in life and go do them. Like, you did it. You're out in Los Angeles acting. That's a big step. Tons of people want to do that. Not everybody can, but like take those steps. It's, it's a really beautiful way to take it full circle. For me, I know that when I was told I might not have a night left, I was really proud of my life. And that's a hell of a thing to be able to say. So go out and make yourself able to, at that last moment, whenever that may be, proud of what you've done and that's the bottom line not because stone cold says so but because nick says so um you that's know, right beautiful man i mean this this has been a, a heartwarming and a personal podcast and like i said this is one of the best things for me is because a lot of times i don't come into these podcasts with a a strict form of oh i'm actually this actually this actually this because there's always something that you find out about somebody and like I said, this podcast is a surprise to me because I thought we was going to be talking about, you know, music and the entertainment industry. And it actually turned out to be way different. And I love that because I, I love seeing the unexpected happen, you know, and yeah. I think your journey, your, your, your perspective, your wisdom and your advice 
is much more important with your story being told than, you know, us just, you know, lollygagging about, you know, the industry, you know, which yeah. we can do all the time. But I sure, think yeah. stories <laughs> like that, you know, I think stories like this really have a more meaningful impact. And I'm glad you was able to tell that. And uh, do you have any final words that you want to express or, or get off your chest? Oh, man. I, I Yeah. Again, just challenge yourself live live a life that you're really proud of that you're really excited for and challenge yourself daily just give yourself something to be proud of yourself for find self-love it is a massive massive gift you can give yourself i know it's not easy but find it and it is really beautiful you'll really start living when you fall in love with yourself as, as silly as that might sound to some people it's really big and yeah i, I don't know spread love spread kindness be kind to each other stop hate like, don't be ignorant, all those typical ones, but that are so meaningful. Like, it's easier to love people than it is to hate people. So I, th I think we should all do that. Spread love around more and just enjoy your life. Enjoy your life like it's happy hour, but you don't have to pick up a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where, where people can find you, Nick? All right. Yeah. Um, so my personal Instagram is Tater Chips, T-A-T-E-R Chips. Uh, you can reach out to me if any of this has resonated with you and you just need a sounding board or you need somebody that will be that person to be a strength for you. I would love to be that. Um, if you want to check out the Beautifully Human podcast, you're listening to this podcast. So if you want to hear me on the other side of the mic, with Percy, check that out too. It's a really amazing conversation that we got to have. Um, it's called the Beautifully Human Podcast. It's wherever you listen to podcasts, it's all over there. And it's beautiful conversations with humans from all over the world. It's it's really fun. It's really enriching. You get to hear a lot just of beautiful stories from people far away, from close to where you're at, from all over. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Come come connect with me. I love I love chatting with people. Oh, that's beautiful, man. And, you know, like Nick said, challenge yourself. And like I always say, a helping hand is a better hand. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, brother.